Author Media presents Novel Marketing, the longest-running book marketing podcast in the world. This is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and change the world with writing worth talking about. I'm your host, the professor of book marketing, Thomas Umstead Jr., and today we're going to talk about working with other authors to sell more books. Uh, And this episode came from a patron question, and I will say each month we ask patrons questions and I do a special patrons-only Q&A episode, but sometimes the patrons ask a question that is so good or so big that it deserves its own episode. So let's play the question. Hi, Thomas. Uh, This is Linda Nathan. I'm one of your patrons. Really appreciate all that you do. Uh, I have a question. Another author recently reached out to us who has written a novel in the same area of apologetics as our own novel that just came out last year. Hers just came out uh, this month. Hers is directed at young adults, though, and ours is addressed at adults, and she has a very different focus. Uh, We really fit together well, and we've hit it off, and we're praying for each other and helping promote each other's books right now. Not doing a whole lot, but anyway, we each have a second book in our series coming out this year, and I'm wondering what ways we can collaborate to help promote each other's work. Thank you, Linda, for the question. And this really is an excellent question. In fact, I was sure we had done an episode on collaboration, and yet I couldn't find it. Somehow we've gone 227 episodes without doing one on collaboration. This is an incredibly powerful technique. And it's one I've talked about at writers' conferences, actually. How do you double your platform overnight? You work with a co-author. But there's a lot of other forms of collaboration than just writing a book together. Um, And I'm going to go through them. There's three different levels of collaboration. We're going to give tips and strategies for each one. But very briefly, I want to talk about why work with other authors. And the first reason is that writing is not a zero-sum game. In fact, you could say that it's the opposite of a zero-sum game. So for those of you who don't know, a zero-sum game is something like gambling, where if I win chips, you lose chips. Uh, But that's not how the real world works in almost every area. (laughs) Most of the real world, value can be created from nothing, right? If I build a mansion next to your house, your house becomes more valuable. Uh, And that's how a lot of work, in fact, that's kind of how civilization works, right? We're all working to make more valuable value for everyone uh, and trying to fight against the decay that is all around us, right? Things are slowly getting worse. Uh, And writing is the same way in that your book enhances the other books in your genre. When people read a book that they love, they want to read more books like it even if those books are by other authors. So helping your fellow authors succeed will help you succeed. As the old saying goes, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Or put another way, faster alone, further together. Uh, Your competition as an author isn't other authors, it's Netflix. You want readers to fall in love with reading and to be finding as many amazing books as possible to get them away from Netflix and towards reading books. Uh, The more they find books that they love, the more reading they'll do and the more reading of your books they will do. Uh, The second reason why you should work with other authors is that writing is hard. Nine writers just don't understand your suffering at killing off one of your characters or even worse, editing them out of your novel altogether. A fate worse than death. It is this as if they had never been born. And that's traumatizing. But sometimes you have to kill your babies and only other writers can commiserate. 
The authors who try to go it alone almost always give up before they reach the finish line of publishing success. They may be able to get a book or two published, but they're not going to be successful if they are all alone as they do it. Which leads us into the next reason, and that is that publishing is hard. Finding an agent, a publisher, and getting a good book deal are hard. Indie publishing is just as hard. It's just a different path. Uh, There's a lot to learn and a lot of mistakes to be made. And if you're going it alone, you're going to be learning a lot of those mistakes yourself. Uh, And then the fourth reason is that marketing is hard. Promoting your book requires hard work, not just doing the work, but also learning what needs to be done and learning what works and what doesn't. And collaborating with authors to help you with your writing, publishing, and marketing just makes it easier. I've been working with best-selling authors for over a decade, and I can't think of a single one who went it alone and made it to the bestseller list. Not a single one. So hopefully I have you convinced that you need to work with other authors in some way. This is not just a strategy that our uh, listener who asked the question that Lynn, you know, it's not just a strategy for her. It is a strategy for all of you. Fiction, nonfiction, traditional, and independent. This is an episode for everyone. So let's talk about the three levels of collaboration. So level one is sharing knowledge and encouragement. And the goal of this level of collaboration is that you're picking each other's brains and you're spurring each other onward. And we recently released an episode, episode 217, about mentorship that goes into some of these areas in great detail. So I won't go into too much detail here, but I do want to talk about the different ways that you can share knowledge with other authors. The first one is online communities, Facebook groups, Slack groups, online forums, really any kind of online writer group. This is the lowest barrier to entry, uh, the least time commitment, and the least value (laughs) from a collaboration perspective. Uh, Little sown, little reaped, but it still can be beneficial. So a couple of quick tips. Uh, One is to be picky. It's It's better to focus on a few communities where you can really be known and help other people than it is to dabble in a bunch of communities that you never really check. Uh, The next tip is to ask questions. Don't just lurk. And finally, answer questions. Online communities are about give and take. Comment unto others as you would have them comment unto you. Uh, So the next way uh, to share knowledge and encouragement with other authors is to attend a writer's conference. And again, we talk a lot about writer's conferences on this podcast. We talk a lot about writer's conferences uh, in the five-year plan. In fact, the five-year plan comes with a whole writer's conference strategy. Each year, we tell you which kind of conferences to go to and what your goals should be at the conference that year. Uh, A couple of quick tips on conferences. Uh, Listen to episode 63, Six Proven Methods for Creating Maximum Impact at Writing Conferences. It's a great episode that you can listen to right now uh, to learn more about how to maximize uh, your time there. Uh, I'd also encourage you to start with small local conferences before going to the big national conferences. There's the big famous conferences, and I think it's a mistake uh, for that to be your first conference. It's very overwhelming, uh, and, and you'll get much more bang for your buck if you start with the smaller ones. And finally, focus on getting to know the other authors. Don't be overly dazzled by the agents and editors. It's really easy to be dazzled by the celebrities, but it's the other normal authors that are really going to be adding value to you, and it's those authors you're going to be collaborating with. You tend to collaborate with authors in your same kind of tier or league, and as you get better, the authors you're able to collaborate get better as well. 
Uh, the next uh, way of sharing knowledge and encouragement is critique groups. Uh, again, in the five-year plan, we talk a lot about the importance of joining a critique group, or better yet, starting your own. In fact, we have episode 135 that talks all about how to start your own critique group. And I even have a course on how to start your own writer's group. And I will say the best way to find a perfect critique group is to start your own. So many authors are wanting somebody else to start the perfect critique group, and I think that's a mistake. That said, you can look on meetup.com for other writers groups in your area. It may be that there is a great critique group already existing around you. And if you can't find anything on meetup.com, ask your local librarian. They often have the secret insight or the insight on the secret groups. They can make an appointment or tell you uh, what door to knock on to get access to the secret writing community uh, all around you. Uh, and similarly to critique groups, the next way to share encouragement and knowledge is a mastermind group. Uh, mastermind groups are similar to critique groups in some way, uh, but they focus more on the publishing journey and the marketing rather than the, mar uh, the writing itself. So you're in a mastermind group, you're not really reading each other's manuscripts as much as you're handling all the rest of the publishing journey. Uh, they focus on things like motivation, accountability, marketing, publishing, and more. Uh, we have an episode 101 that talks all about how to start your own mastermind group. And of course, I have some mastermind groups uh, connected with the Novel Marketing Podcast. Uh, one of them is full. The other one has a couple of slots still open. Uh, and then they have, there, there will be waiting lists. So if you're listening in the future and both groups are full, do put your name on the waiting list because those people will be the first to be told about uh, openings as they emerge. Uh, a couple of quick tips on mastermind groups. Uh, dig your well before you're thirsty. It takes time to get to know the masterminds in your group and to build trust with them so you really start to learn from each other. So uh, don't wait until the last minute to join a mastermind group. That's a mistake. It won't be there when you need it. You want to join it months and months ahead of time uh, so that when your launch comes or when you're you know, pitching for a publisher, whatever your next goal is in your career, you've already built up that rapport. You've already built up that relationship uh, with the other masterminds. And uh, again, commit to being as encouraging as helpful as possible. Uh, it's the same as with an online group. You reap what you sow. So you want to sow abundantly into the lives of the other uh, members of the mastermind group. And finally, show up. A mastermind group doesn't do you any good if you don't attend. <laughs> so make sure you come to the live meetings. This actually applies to the conferences and critique groups and a lot of it as well. Uh, the final form that I see a lot of authors use is a buddy system call. This is where two authors will have a scheduled call uh, with each other where they encourage each other and share knowledge. Sometimes it's weekly calls, sometimes less frequent than that, sometimes more frequent than that if they're really intensely working on projects. And uh, I know authors, you know, very successful authors that will have this buddy system called, it's kind of like a mini mastermind in a way, and, but really focused on the accountability often, or it's like, how many words did you write? You know, how much Netflix did you watch? I'm really uh, hating on Netflix in this episode. I apologize for those of you who are big fans of Netflix. Uh, I know all of us authors want to have our books turned into Netflix series because there's so much money there. Uh, but when it comes to a buddy system, my recommendation is to pick a good buddy. The key to doubles tennis is to pick a good partner. So you want someone who is both encouraging and challenging to help you uh, move forward in your writing journey as fast and as effectively as possible. All right, so we've talked about the easy stuff, the sharing information. Now let's get into the fun part, 
cross-promotion. Uh, this is where you promote each other's work. Um, the more authors can, you can cross-promote with, the more readers you will reach. And the wonderful thing about uh, working with other authors is that their readers already read books, and they already read books similar to your book. Uh, that is, if they write the same kind of book you do. The key to success with this level of collaboration is to promote other authors who have similar books to you and to promote for them the way you want them to promote for you. You may be noticing a theme to this message. The golden rule really applies to collaboration for authors. The more you bless other authors, the more you do for other authors, the more they'll want to do for you when the time comes. It is really hard to receive a favor and not want to pay that favor back. Reciprocity is a powerful motivation in the heart of author collaboration. Uh, you'll find authors at pretty much every level of success using one or more of these cross-promotion strategies. So let's jump into it. The first strategy is the hot sizzling one right now. It's the one everyone's talking about. Email newsletter swaps. This is when you email your list promoting another author's book, and they in return email their list promoting your book. I, I want to emphasize here, you're not sharing your email subscribers. You're not exporting a CSV and sending them, sending that to them. That is a really terrible thing to do. Instead, you're sending an email from your name to your list recommending the other author's book. It's just like a normal email newsletter. This solves the problem of what do I email my readers, right? So you email them recommendations of other books that are similar to your books, books that you uh, have read and liked. So some quick tips. Uh, stick to authors who write similar books to you. This is really important. If you are writing romance, modern romance, and somebody has a book that's a sci-fi, and, and you're good friends, right? Let's say you're in the same mastermind group. Just because you're good friends in real life doesn't mean your readership will be good friends with the readership of the other person. That's what matters. Uh, in fact, you know, maybe you don't get along very well personally. You have a personality conflict, but your reader bases are totally intermingled. You're fans of the other person's fans. And, um, you know, then you should take advantage of it, right? If you're Star Trek and they're Star Wars, maybe you don't get along, but your fans get along. Although perhaps this is a bad uh, example because at least when I was a kid, Star Wars and Star Trek was like Pepsi and Coke. It was like Ford and Chevy. People made a big deal about being one or the other. Um, of course, I don't know why you can't be a fan of both. I, I watched and enjoyed both, but who knows? Maybe that's just me being overly moderate. <laughs> anyway, um, my another tip here is to read the book before recommending it. This will help you write a better recommendation. And it also helps you become a better writer, frankly, because if you're reading other books in your genre, this is really important. And a lot of authors struggle to even find or even know of other authors who write in their same genre. And that is a mistake. You need to be reading the most popular books in your genre. You need to be reading the most popular books in your sub-sub-genre, that tiny little category that you're writing for in Amazon. You need to be familiar with those other authors, even if you're not writing an endorsement and doing a newsletter swap. It's important to know what's working. And I will say, your reputation's on the line here. So only promote books you would personally recommend. It only takes one bad recommendation to ruin your reputation. So there was a time when I read every book that Seth Godin uh, recommended. In fact, I would purchase it based off of his recommendation alone. And I read maybe 50 books this way based off of either I saw his blurb on the cover or he mentioned it in his blog because I'd read all of Seth Godin's books and there wasn't enough books because I was reading every book on marketing I could get my hands on. 
And finally, he recommended a book that I hated. And so now I still value his recommendation, but I will no longer buy a book solely on his recommendation because of that one bad review. So you want to be very careful to protect uh, your reputation and be careful with what books uh, you recommend. Uh, The next way that you can cross-promote with other authors is to write blog book reviews. So a lot of novelists ask, what should I blog about? I'll tell you what the one thing you should never blog about, and that is writing tips. It attracts the wrong crowd. Readers don't like spending time with authors. It's kind of like movie watchers don't like to hear movie makers talk about the movies that they make and how they did it. You know, there was a time when people really liked those special features on the DVD and they would watch the director's commentary, but but in general, they don't care. They don't want to hear about uh, you know, how the paint is made. They just want to enjoy the beautiful painting. And they really don't want to hear about your craft tips. Uh, that will attract a certain kind of reader, but it's a reader who's also an author. That's not your people. Uh, so what do you blog about? Well, one great thing to blog about is to review other books in your genre. And when I say genre here, I don't mean you're writing mystery, thriller, suspense, and you're reviewing other books that are mystery, thriller, suspense. That is way too broad. If you're writing Amish fiction, you want to be reviewing other Amish fiction. You know, don't review fantasy books, review something super specific like female protagonist dragon writing books, right? You want to be, you want to pick a niche that's so narrow that you can conceivably review a good majority of the books in that niche. And I will say, if, if you're doing this, if you use this strategy, you're not going to be competing with very many other blogs, maybe zero other blogs. You may have the only female protagonist dragon writing book review website in the world, and suddenly you have 100% market share. And if you are writing a dragon writing book with a female protagonist, you are getting your audience. You're getting your target audience that coming to your website to see your reviews of the other books. Now, the nice thing about this, as opposed to a newsletter swap, is that you can um, review a book without fully endorsing it, right? You can talk about what you liked and what you didn't like about the book. And so it's a it gives you a little bit more creative freedom. Your reputation is less on the line. Because if you have a nuanced view, even if somebody disagrees with you, they're like, well, I disagree with your point. You know, I think that, you know, having feathers on dragons is fine. That doesn't undermine your reputation. Uh, as in the same way that saying you should buy this book and they buy the book and they don't like it would undermine your reputation. You know, you're giving pros and cons and you're helping the reader to make an informed decision. And, and that's the real goal of the review is that you're like, here's what I liked. Here's what I didn't like. Now, so a few tips on writing reviews. And again, I may do a whole episode on this in the future. Um, we've, we've done some on blogging, and I'll do some more on blogging in the future. But I encourage you to include an affiliate link uh, to buy the book. Even if it's a negative review, it's just good courtesy to have a link where they can click to buy the book. I remember somebody reviewing my book uh, on their blog, and they hated me, and they hated my book. And they um, made a big deal about how they got a free version, and they wouldn't uh, link to a place to buy it. They disliked it so much. And I think that's really obnoxious. Um, so don't do that. Don't be that guy <laughs> or that girl. You want to include a link, uh, and it's a chance to make a little bit of money, right? You can include an Amazon affiliate link so that you get a commission on that book sale. And hey, you know, it's a way of, of getting some income off from your blogging. If your blog gets popular enough, 
uh, th that income actually can be quite substantial of those affiliate reviews. And I, we have a client, and I won't say which one, but who used this strategy. She started reviewing books in her uh, micro genre, and her website has become super influential. She has major of uh, top five publishers approaching her, asking uh, for their books to be reviewed, calling, and she, she, you know, she came from nowhere, and now suddenly the big players are asking her for favors, and she's become a power broker in her little genre. What a great place to be, and you can do that with that, running a good review website, but the key is to focus. The mistake I see most authors make is that they're reviewing all the books they're reading, and don't do that. Pick a sub-sub-genre and only post reviews of books in that sub-sub-genre. And as you get popular, you can expand it, right? So if once you've reviewed all of the female protagonist dragon writing books, you can expand it to dragon writing books, right? And, and then you grow your audience from there. But you have to start by thrilling a tiny audience and you grow from here. Uh, the next way that you can cross-promote with other authors is with Goodreads. So while Amazon does not allow authors to review each other's books, Goodreads encourages authors to read the books that they are reading. And so this is a great opportunity for you to post reviews of the books that you're reading. And you can do this with any kind of book. So while with your blog you want to be focused on a certain subgenre, you can post reviews of all of the books that you're reading on Goodreads. And you know you can work out arrangements where you'll review another author's book and they'll review your book. Again, give an honest review. Don't just you know throw a bunch of rainbows and sunshine if the book isn't very good because your your reputation is still important to protect um, but goodreads is a more free place to re leave reviews of different kinds of books and there's other kinds of promotions that you can do on goodreads so goodreads no longer allows you to add your book to a list right so there's all these great lists in listopia i'm a big fan of the listopia feature but uh, you can't add your own book to a list in Listopia. But you could work with another author where you add their book to a list and they add your book to a list. It's a very easy uh, collaboration that you can do with other authors. So just like uh, you swap email newsletter promotions, you can swap Goodreads promotions as well. Uh, another way you can cross-promote is launch bundles. We've talked a lot about launch bundles recently. I feel like maybe I've talked about launch bundles too much. But if uh, you're listening in the future, the episode uh, 223 on urgency and episode 225 on scarcity, uh, launch bundles take, play, take advantage of both of those kinds of marketing psychology. So like, launch bundles are a very solid strategy from a fundamentals perspective. And uh, one way that you can enhance your launch bundle is to include material from other authors. You know, if you're not writing nonfiction, it's guides and tips that are related to your book. If you're writing fiction, it's perhaps it's short stories. You're putting together your own short story bundle that goes along with your book, uh, and those short stories are written by other authors. Who knows? Maybe you get really edgy and you allow those other authors to write short stories in your story world. You may not be willing to go that far, but you know maybe you're willing to give it a, a shot. And and then in exchange, you write short stories for their bundle, and everyone who buys the book in the first two weeks gets that special bundle. This is a great way to collaborate with other authors and give each other um, a, a great way to enhance their launch, right? Help them hit a bestseller list while simultaneously introducing your writing to their audience. It's a win-win all the way around. In fact, it's such a win-win 
that you don't have to reciprocate, right? So maybe you're doing a launch bundle and you ask some of your author friends uh, to give you short stories. They win by introducing their writing to your audience and you win by having a better launch bundle that even if they don't do launch bundles, right? Maybe their publisher doesn't let them or they don't believe in that tactic. It's still a win-win just for them to give you the short story for your bundle. And so it works even without reciprocity. It's a great strategy uh, to use. And I wanna see more authors using it <laughs> because uh, it's too good of a tactic uh, to leave on the, oh, a few people did it badly a few years ago table. Um, just because it doesn't work for some people doesn't mean it doesn't work for everyone. Uh, and just because people who did it poorly and gave away bundles that were of no value, because right? I will say a real way that this is a mistake is everyone just puts in their super promotional lead magnets. And the lead magnets themselves aren't very good. Uh, which is, it's really easy for this to happen in nonfiction. And the bundle that you bought the book to get is just a bunch of marketing and advertising for other products that you need to buy then it, it blows up in your face, so it has to be valuable. But again, this isn't the launch bundle episode, so I'm gonna move on. Uh, the next way that you can collaborate and cross-promotion is blurbing each other's books. Uh, writing blurbs for book covers is the classic traditional publishing way of cross-promoting. But remember, blurbs only work on readers who already know who the blurber is, right? If I read a blurb by Seth Godin, it makes me way more likely to buy the book. It doesn't guarantee it anymore. I'm not a shut up and take my money, but it's still like at that point, you're, you're pretty close to having me sold because my opinion of Seth Godin is so high. But if your blurb is from Joe, Joe Nobody that I've never heard of, that's gonna have very little impact on me even if Joe Nobody is saying amazing things. <laughs> so uh, keep this in mind when blurbing books. Having a really glowing blurb from someone that is not known to your target audience isn't going to help you. Uh, the exception of this is if they have a title or an award that is known. So if they're a Nobel Prize winner, or if they're a senator, that may still be v valuable, even if they haven't heard of that particular scientist or that particular senator. Uh, the fact that it's like, ooh, Senator so-and-so, Senator Smith, I don't know what party they are, but they're senators, so they must be important. That may help you a little bit more. The next collaboration strategy for working with other authors to promote your book is co-hosting webinars and Facebook Lives. Uh, this is a, a good strategy, especially for nonfiction authors. You can do it some with fiction authors. It's trickier though, but if you have a parenting book and another author has a parenting book and you do a webinar together for both of your audiences, it's a great way to have a conversation, even if you disagree, frankly, you know, you can discuss what you agree with and what you disagree with, and it's still an opportunity for your audiences to get to know each other. So let's say there's three authors in a subgenre, and two of them are having a, and they all, all disagree. And two of them are having a series of debates on Facebook Live, and the third is off pouting on his own website, not interacting with the other two. Which of those two authors do you think are going to sell the most books? <laughs> the two having the debates. Or even better, if they agree, the two having um, webinars where they talk about what they agree. It doesn't have to be antagonistic. And we have a whole episode on this, actually, how to host a Facebook Live for your book. Uh, we recorded this episode right after we recorded a Facebook Live that went very badly, <laughs> if I'm remembering correctly. We learned some things the hard way, and, and then we recorded what we learned. It's an interesting episode. I encourage you to listen to it. Uh, but this is uh, a fun way to collaborate. And um, if you do a webinar through a traditional webinar tool like Crowdcast, which is what I use, it's also a good way to build your email list. The downside to Facebook Live, you don't get the emails of the attendees. And I will say, of my email subscribers, maybe 20% have come in through a webinar at one time or another. So uh, it is a really powerful way of growing your email list. It's a bonus. And it's a way for both of you uh, potentially to grow your email lists. 
Stay tuned. I've got a webinar planned that I'm very excited about. I haven't done a webinar uh, in a while because of the baby, but I'm uh, hoping to get back into the game here soon. I've got a uh, webinar lined up, and, and I'm hoping to talk about it next week, actually. Uh, it's going to be really, really exciting. All right. Uh, the final way to collaborate from a promotional perspective is podcast guesting. If you have a podcast, you can have other authors on your podcast and vice versa. Just like with the book bundles, this is such a win-win for both of you that you don't have to reciprocate. So even if you don't have a podcast, if you can be a good guest on somebody else's podcast, that's a win for you and a win for them. I have a lot of people on my podcast that don't reciprocate by having me on their podcast. Even if they have a podcast, (laughs) sometimes they don't reciprocate. And that's okay because it was a good guest interview. And if it wasn't a guest, good interview. I don't air it. There have been interviews I've recorded for this show that will never be aired. In fact, some of them I think have been deleted for all time. So I'm picky about what I air, Um, but it is a great win-win opportunity. And we've, again, talked a lot about guest interviews in this podcast. Uh, We have episode 209, how to get booked uh, for guest interviews overview. And I also have a whole course on how to get booked for guest interviews. And we have the podcast host directory give you the email addresses of podcasters so you can email them to see if you can come on their show. I will say it's easier to offer to get somebody on your show than it is to get on somebody else's show. I found I I very rarely have somebody turn me down uh, to be a guest on this show. Sometimes things break down in negotiations or they want things I don't want to give them. Um, But uh, very rarely does anyone ever say no uh, to being a guest on a podcast. All right, we've talked about encouragement and uh, brain picking, right? sharing knowledge and encouragement level one. We've talked about cross-promotion level two. Now let's talk about level three, collaboration. Uh, if the level one was the singles mixer and level two is dating, level three is marriage. This is where you're putting your names together for all time. This isn't some temporary co-promotion strategy. These are hardcore collaboration techniques, and they are techniques that work, but be very careful with who you marry because you are after this, you are married. So the first form is forward writing. If you write a forward uh, for someone, uh, you can add them or they can add you as an author of that book on Amazon. And so your name is attached to the book, not just in the copy, but also as a link that that you can click on it. So if they click on your name, it shows you all the books that you've written and the forwards that you've written. Uh, This is a knife that cuts both ways. (laughs) So it's a great way for people who found one book to find another book. If you exchange forwards with another author, you're also a lot more likely to show up in the also bots with that author because of that strong connection. Uh, Writing a forward is a big commitment, and it typically comes out of having a pre-existing relationship with the person writing the forward. But it doesn't have to be an in-person relationship. Uh, the forward for my book, Courtship Crisis, was written by Deborah Folletta, who's a popular blogger and counselor on dating. And she's the author of the book, True Love Dates. And she read my viral blog post when it came out. And she reached out to me. And we started an email correspondence uh, about our topic. Uh, we talked with each other uh, here and there via email. And I eventually had her on my radio show once or twice. And from that, I, I felt like I knew her well enough that I could ask her to write a forward for my book. And she agreed. Uh, she'd also been reading my blog and I had been reading her blog, uh, which was another way that we kind of saw that we were had a similar enough approach uh, that this could work. 
And, you know, Deborah is primarily a counselor and blogger, so she doesn't write a lot of books. And if you click on her name on Amazon, it will show you three books, two that she wrote and then one she wrote a forward for. That's the power of writing a forward. I really recommend that you start thinking about months ahead of time uh, someone to write a forward for you. Because I will say, uh, if you're asking someone to write a forward, don't be like, could you write a forward for me? And by the way, it needs to be done by Friday. <laughs> no one's going to say yes to it at a request like that. The next way that you can collaborate with other authors is to write a short story anthology together. And I see this a lot in urban fantasy, where the urban fantasy authors will put together a short story anthology, and I find myself buying these collections quite a bit because Jim Butcher puts canon Dresden file short stories in those anthologies. <laughs> I'm so much wanting to read the next Dresden Files book that I'll listen to a whole anthology of short stories just to get uh, to his uh, short story that's in there. And it's also a great way for me to get introduced to other urban fantasy authors. So while Jim Butcher was my first urban fantasy book to read, uh, because of him, I now read quite a few urban fantasy authors. He's opened my eyes to this whole genre that I've become a big fan of. Uh, and a short story anthology typically has more than just two authors. So it's in some ways, it's the grandest collaboration that we talk about in this episode, where you can have an anthology with a dozen or more authors who are all contributing short stories uh, together. And the other nice thing about this is it's easy for them to do, because depending on the anthology, it's not like they all are writing the short story in the same literary universe. They're just contributing a short story, maybe from their own literary universe, maybe just a short story they wrote on their own. The world needs more short stories, and this is a great way to collaborate. All right, now the coup de grace, the co-authoring of a book together. This is a major commitment, and don't go into a co-authoring agreement lightly. Now, that said, this is perhaps one of the most powerful techniques here because it allows both authors to fully leverage their fan bases, which makes the book far more likely to hit the bestseller list. So let's say you need 20,000 sales in a week uh, to hit the New York Times bestseller list, and you've been getting 10,000 sales on your launch week, and this other author has been getting 10,000 sales on her uh, books on launch week. If you were to combine and get your fan bases to both buy the book, you'd hit the bestseller list together when you could never hit it alone. In fact, I know a lot of indie authors who are able to hit bestseller lists through this exact strategy. And you know what? Traditional authors do it too. You see traditional authored books co-authored all the time. And publishing companies are constantly doing that. They're matchmaking authors and their um, stables of authors and agencies also do this. They'll put authors together uh, because they can do more together than they could ever do alone. Now, the next way to collaborate is to share a literary universe. So this is, in some ways, it's more of a commitment. In other ways, it's less of a commitment. It's more of a commitment because you're potentially committing to more than one book. So you co-author one book together. You can dust your hands off and go along in your merry way. Uh, but if you're writing in a literary universe together, both of you are writing series in the same shared universe, you're committing potentially to multiple books. So in that way, it's more of a commitment. But in another way, it's less of a commitment because it's not like you're co-authoring the same book. So you have more creative freedom to write your own book in the shared universe. You're writing Spider-Man stories uh, and the other author is writing Iron Man stories and maybe some characters from Iron Man will appear in Spider-Man and vice versa. But you're not having to work out every paragraph to both of your satisfaction. And I just did an episode on literary universe marketing, episode 216. Uh, this is about creating your own literary universe, but a shared literary universe with other authors is really powerful. And I do recommend that you listen to that episode. 
Now, maybe you don't want to create a shared uh, literary universe. The final way that you can collaborate with other authors is to create a pen name together. You have a little author baby. <laughs> so um, this is a strategy I see when authors are wanting to write in a different genre with another author. So maybe you've been writing uh, romance and you want to write romantic suspense. And so you team up with another author who writes suspense uh, and who also wants to do romantic suspense. And then you create a pen name together that only does romantic suspense. You're able to do together what neither of you could really do alone. The romance author is weak at writing suspense and the suspense author is weak at writing romance. But if they collaborate together... This new pen name is a master at both. And uh, you don't have to have it be a secret who the names are behind the pen name, uh, or you can. You have a lot of flexibility with this. So some authors are very public that they're, I'm one half of the pen name such and such. And this is a fun way of collaborating while protecting your brand. Now, the downside of this is that that brand separation can create confusion. Uh, someone may not know that you, the author of the books you've written under your own name, are also half of pen name and you've written those books as well. So there are some trade-offs here, but this is another way that you can collaborate. There are more ways to collaborate than what we talked about in this episode. In fact, I'd love to hear your ideas. How have you worked with other authors to write better books, sell more books, or learn things that you didn't know before in either of these three stages? Let us know in the Facebook group. Feel free to leave a comment. Our sponsor today is the How to Start a Writer's Group course. This is a course that I put together for the students of the five-year plan. It comes included in the five-year plan, but you can also buy it separately. It's not very expensive if you buy it on your own, and it walks you through exactly how to start your own writer's group. Don't be the author left out on their own. <laughs> you want to be the author who's surrounded by other authors, encouraging you and challenging you to become better, both at the writing and at the marketing. And of course, patrons save 50% at checkout. You can learn more at authormedia.com. Speaking of patrons, our featured patron is Mary DeMuth, author of We Too. Advocate Mary DeMuth unpacks the church's response to sexual violence and provides a healthy framework for the church to become a haven of healing instead of an institution of judgment. So thank you, Mary, for being a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast. And if you would like to become a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast, you can find the links and the information at authormedia.com. And if you can't afford to become a patron, don't worry. If you want to help the show, you can. Just leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Your reviews are greatly appreciated. They keep me encouraged and they keep me uh, going, at, um, going at this every week and they also help us get better guests. Uh, and if you have a question you'd like me to answer on a future show, just call our listener helpline, 512-827-8377. Um, my daughter, Mercy, our toddler, has been, it's been really fun to watch her with our new baby, Tommy. She was so excited to be a big sister. We were nervous that she was going to feel jealous, but she's so young, she doesn't understand cause and effect. So the framework, the mental framework for jealousy just isn't there yet because she doesn't, she's not able to connect the fact that the presence of this new baby is causing mommy and daddy to be distracted. And she's so excited about this new little um, creature uh, that she wants to play with him. And she's even come up with her own word form. So she only knows how to say three words uh, traditionally, but we've been teaching her baby sign language and she's using the baby sign for sleepy to refer to the baby. In fact, one time she used the uh, sign sleepy and then the sign bird, and that's his new nickname. So Tommy is also known as Sleeping Bird. <laughs> this is his uh, toddler nickname that Mercy calls him. 
But Mercy wants so much to play with him, but the problem is that they're both still too small. Uh, the best she's able to do is sometimes give him a gentle kiss, but more often it is a not gentle kiss where she leans over to try to give him a kiss and she puts her hand on his chest or even worse, she like walks over him. Right? She doesn't really look where she's walking and she'll step on him if we're not watching her like a hawk. So when Tommy's having tummy time, we have to watch Mercy really careful to make sure that her love doesn't hurt the baby. And I know that as they grow up, they'll both get more developed and they'll be able to interact in more healthy ways. At least that's my hope that they'll be uh, good friends. And I will say that when it comes to interacting with readers, a lot of starting authors are a lot like my daughter. They want to interact. They love their readers. They want to have a good interaction, but they just don't know how. They don't know what to say, or maybe they don't even know how to get those readers on their email list in the first place. And if that's you, I just want to say don't give up. Everybody starts there. Uh, No one starts being good at interacting uh, with their fans and and building a community of fans. It is a learnable skill, and it's something that we talk about all the time on this podcast. So keep listening to Novel Marketing. Keep getting better at your craft. You won't stay at toddler-level celebrity forever. Uh, You've been listening to Thomas Umstadt Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you innovative ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thanks for listening.